Well, good morning. If you uh, have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalm 46 today. And, uh, you know, as you, uh, I, I have to admit, I've, um, I've been really happy today. I've, I've uh, you know, I've, I heard a song the other day, this is the day the Lord has made. And, and I, I went out and it's, it's sunshiny and, and everything is, it's happy, it's good seeing you all. But as I open my Bible, I'm a little, a little depressed. It's a new Bible that my wife got me for Valentine's Day, but it's giant print edition, and it doesn't look giant print. And so uh, I appreciate the new Bible that's not falling apart, but it, that's kind of a, uh, kind of a, I don't know. It gets a, it gets a guy. Uh, we will be in Psalm 46. We'll begin in verse one in just a moment. And you may notice that we are taking kind of a, a side road out of our city of Luke this morning. You've no doubt heard about all the stuff that's going on in different parts of the world. We think especially about uh, Ukraine and what's happening there. Um, and, and no doubt it is a tragedy. I believe that all war is a tragedy. I know sometimes sometimes you have to fight. Uh, the Bible says there's a time for peace and a time for war. And, and we know that that's something that you have to do sometimes. But, but of course, it's best not to fight if possible. Um, and I don't know your level of concern with the whole matter. It seems like people here in the States, it's it's... It seems to have gotten a lot of people's attention. I mean, it's everybody's talking about it. The political pundits are, are talking about it uh, on TV. Folks on social media are, are uh, putting in their two cents and, and posting articles and videos. Um, the people that haven't thought about Ukraine in many years, maybe they've never thought about Ukraine. All of a sudden, that's, that's, ever, that's what they're all talking about. That's what they're thinking about. And uh, many people are very concerned about it. I, I saw a, uh, a comment that somebody made on an article the other day, and this lady said she, when she thought about all that was happening, which is, she, her words, she got physically ill, and, um, and, you know, there's a lot of reason to be concerned. It, it introduces a level of uncertainty into our lives. If we have uh, friends or loved ones in uh, military service, we might be concerned about them and what this may mean for them, and what it may mean consequently for their families, for, for us. Um, I mean, the, all this stuff that's going on, uh, depending on your, your view of the end time, some people may see this as, as a sign that the world's about to end. Uh, uh, and besides all that, I mean, we, have, um, we have all the other stuff that's going on. I mean, COVID is something that's, that's still a worry for many people. Um, the stock market, anybody watching the stock market and what's it doing to your retirement? Uh, some days it's like, yeah. And then some days, oh my, because I mean, it's just all over the place. And, um, and it, that, that's causing concern for a lot of people. Um, gas is high, inflation's up to a 40-year high, putting a pinch on people. I mean, we have all these things in life that trouble our hearts. All these things that, that cause us concern. And the thing is, we know what the Bible says. We know the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Tomorrow, tomorrow has enough problems of its own. We know that Jesus said, uh, "Don't worry about what you're going to. Don't worry about tomorrow. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on, because why? God takes care of the birds, and he if and he clothes the the grass of the field with the flowers, and and if if he's taking taking care of the birds, and he's taking care of the grass and the flowers, and he's going to take care of you because you're worth a whole lot more to him than birds and grass. Uh, we we know that that Paul says, "Be anxious for nothing, but what by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God." And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we have all these texts that, that call us to peace in life. 
And listen, even despite political turmoil and upheaval and war, despite what's happening in the stock market or anyplace else, we can have peace in our lives today. And that's what we're going to look at. So if you found Psalm 46 and you're able, I'd like you to stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to read the whole psalm. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though mountains should slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the, most, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, be- uh, come behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving, or your Bible may say, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. You may be seated. Now, I've broken this psalm down into five sections, and they all start with the letter R, the kind of a heading. And it's, I understand it's not the most descriptive way of doing an outline. It's not even maybe the best way, because the psalm is broken up into three sections, and they all have Selah at the end. But I've broken it up into these five sections, these five headings, and they all start with R to kind of help with memory, to aid us in remembering what is in this psalm. The first R is the word refuge. Refuge. Verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength. Now what is a refuge? Well, a refuge is a safe place. It's a place where when, when the storm is coming, you, you know we, we have tornadoes in this part, of the, this part of the country, and so what do you have? A lot of people have a storm shelter. They have a place where they can go that when, when the storm is coming, that is where they head. That is a refuge. It is a safe place. It is a strong, fortified place of safety. It's where you go when everything else is cut and loose. It's a shelter in the storm. It's a picture of God. And this is one that the psalmist uses many times. He is a shelter. He is a fortress. He is a a strong tower that we can run to. But you'll notice that verse 1 says he's not just a safe place. He is also our strength. He is the the source of our strength. He is the one that keeps us going when our strength fails. I'm reminded of a text that many of you know, and, and you may even have this up on, on some wall art or something like that. It's out of Isaiah chapter 40, right at the end. It says, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. In other words, not only is God strong, we, we know that, He has all power. He can speak and, and the worlds leap into existence. He has all power, but, but, but not only that, He is the source of our power. Be, because of our dependence on Him and our relationship to Him, as we depend on Him, His power becomes our power. Not that we can, not that we can create things with our words, but, but how many of us here know that, know that we're only here because of God? How many of us can testify to the fact that there's been a time in our lives when our strength has failed, 
We've gone through the dark valley. We've, we've come to the end of ourselves. We, we've gotten to where we just can't bear up under it any longer. But God. But God strengthened us. He came through for us. He, 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 we found Him to be our refuge and our strength. Now notice how, how God is described also in verse 1. It says, He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now that word present doesn't have so much the idea of constancy, though that's certainly true, but rather has the idea of being found. He has been found to be he is found to be a help. It's an experiential thing. It's not just some knowledge that's out there, some something that we read in a in, in a book and, and we can know it cognitively, but he has been found to be a help in trouble. It is experiential as we as we go through life, we find out that he is dependable. And that word very is added in there as an emphatic thing. It's a superlative. This is the utmost. It is, it is the maximum. He has been found through experience to be the utmost, the most powerful. He has been there in our trouble. He has helped us when things have gotten bad. Therefore, because of that, verse 2, therefore, notice he doesn't just say, well, here are some nice feelings about God. He says, because of this, therefore... Because of this, this is the conclusion. Because of this, this is what, 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 is, what is true. Therefore, because he's been found to be this superlative help in times of trouble, therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. If you know God is your Savior, if he is your Heavenly Father, you have no reason to fear. Why? Because he's proven himself over and over again to be a very present help in trouble. Now, now, the psalmist gives a list of calamities in verses 3 and following. <clears throat> he says, though the earth should change. Though the earth should change. Now, now what he's going to do is he's going to take these, 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 these images of things that are permanent seeming. Things that are solid. Things that, that we can depend on. And the earth, I mean, have you noticed how much things change? They kind of stay the same. It's a big cycle. It's winter now, but what's coming? Spring, and what's after spring? Summer, and then fall, and then we're back to winter again. And, and it's just over and over. We, we have this, there, there's, even though things change, there's, there's a constancy, there's, there, there's consistency, and, and, and it just seems like a, a settled fact. And he says that even though the earth should change, everything that we know may be shaken, even then, we can count on God. He, we, we will not fear because he has been a very present help. And he says, even if, even if there are upheavals on earth, and he says, even if the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Now you picture a mountain, you think about Mount Everest, this huge, huge stone orifice. I mean, just, just this huge, I mean, it just, it's just permanent. When you look at those things, you think, nothing can move that. And you just imagine this thing that, that seems immovable, and all of a sudden, just imagine it just sliding off into the ocean, sliding off into the sea. I mean, to picture it in our mind, it's a little unnerving if we, if we actually think about it. Even if the sea rages and foams, he says, and it's, and it's just surging and it's a storm. Have you ever been on the ocean in a storm? I have one time, uh, we went on a cruise, and you know, those, those cruise ships, those are big. I don't know how those things, I mean, I understand buoyancy and all that. So on one hand, I understand how they float. But on another hand, I don't know how they float. 
Because those things weigh so much. They're these massive, massive ships. And they're out there floating around. And when those storms come, well, those boats are tossed around like a, like a toy boat in, in, a, in a swimming pool. I mean, it just the, the waves and, and splashing around. And, and if you've ever been in something like that, if you've ever seen something like that, you know what he's talking about. And he talks about the, the waters roaring and, and foaming. There's tor- turmoil that's being pictured. And what he's saying is, even when those things that seem the most stable in life, the most permanent, that, that this, this mountain here is, is, is just a picture. When, and it doesn't matter. It could be the kingdoms of men. It could, be, it could be our job. Whatever it is that seems so permanent and so fixed and so dependable. Even if all that cuts loose, even if, even if it's like the, 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 the sea and, and all the churning and stuff in, in a storm, even if that's going on in our lives, even then we don't need to fear. Because God has proven himself to be our refuge and strength and a help in times of trouble. And I just want to pause and ask, do you have some trouble in your life? Because it's one thing to, to look at this and, and say with the psalmist, yeah, he has been. But I just want you to think, do you have trouble in your life? Because this is a word for you. If you have trouble in your life as a, as a child of God, you can turn to God and you can flee to Him and you can run to Him for shelter and strength. I like the way one commentator put it. He said, Alps and Andes may tremble, but faith rests on a firmer basis and is not, move, and is not to be moved by swelling seas. I thought that was great. Our faith is based on something more firm than what the Andes is based on. So the first R in our text is refuge. The second R is river. River. Look again at at, uh, uh, verses 4 and following. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, Now, there's no specific river, no physical river in view. This seems to be a contrast of imagery because on one hand, you have this raging turbulent, tumultuous, upheaval as far as the ocean goes. And on the other hand, this, this contrast is you have a peaceful river gently flowing along. Does anybody like to go to water parks? It seems like there are two types of people. If you go to a water park, whitewater or whatever it is, it seems like there are two types of people. There, there's one group that goes to the wave pool, and there's one group that goes to the lazy river. Those two things are not the same. And, and, and people tend to gravitate one or the other. And so what, what the psalmist is saying, if we can break it down and, and use that, that imagery, we've got the wave pool on one hand and the contrast is the lazy river. And, and, and this, this peaceful river, it's, it's calm. It, it's, again, it, he's not talking about a specific river. He's, he's contrasting the imagery. And he says that God is in the midst of that city and therefore, because he's with the people of God, he's in the city of God, Therefore, it will not be moved. It will not be shaken. It will not be disturbed. And you may go through and, and look at the wording that he uses in, in verse 5. Um, it says, God will help her when morning dawns. Listen, you may go through a period of night in your life, but God will help you when the morning dawns. God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. You can count on him. So we have refuge. We have river. The third R that I want you to see is roar. Roar. The nations roar. They are in an uproar, the Bible says. The, the word used here has the idea of being disquieted, of being boisterous, of a tumult. 
they, they rage. They clamor. There's upheaval. They, they, they rattle their sabers. They, they, they do all these things, and, and it gets people all worked up. Sounds like today, doesn't it? I mean, there's, there, there are all these nations, all these, all these countries, all these kingdoms that, that reject God, and, and they, they, uh, there, there's all this upheaval, there's all this um, you know, wars and rumors of wars, and all this stuff that's going on. And it, this really reminds me of Psalm 2. You remember what Psalm 2 says? It says, Why do the nations rage? And why do the peoples devise a vain thing? And it goes on to talk about how, how, how they've, they've put their foot down. They're shaking their fist to God. They're setting up their, 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 their kingdom. They're setting up their plans. They've got all this commotion going on. And they're in rebellion against God. And, and the Bible says that God gets real, real scared about it all. No? I hope, I hope whenever I said that, you said, what? Because that's not what it says. The Bible says... That God, the God who sits in heaven, when all the nations are doing these these things, when all the nations are doing all that they can do, and they're in full blown rebellion against God, and they're shaking their fist in God's face, God doesn't get upset in the sense that He's worried. He doesn't fret. He doesn't pace the streets of heaven and wear out the streets of gold because He's pacing back and forth so much. Oh, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? The Bible says that the one who sits in heaven laughs. He holds them in derision. In other words, it's like He's saying. Who do you think you are? You think you're going to, you're in rebellion against me like you're on, on my level, like you're my equal? God does whatever he pleases in the earth. And so these people, you'll, you'll see in verse 6, the, the nations, they, they're in an uproar. There's a commotion going on. These, the, these, these people are getting all worked up and, and people are watching the news and everybody else is getting worked up, watching them get worked up. And, and all this stuff is happening and I just want you to know that God doesn't sweat it. God has never wrung his hands. He has never fretted. He has not lost a moment's sleep. God doesn't sleep. The Bible says that he looks at him and he laughs. Have you ever had a kid get real mad at you? I mean, like a little kid, and they stomp their foot, and they have their fit, and you just look at them, and you're like, That's, that's the type of idea here that, that the nations are, are talking big, but God is not concerned about it. God, the nations are in uproar, but then you'll notice that God has his say. Look at verse 6. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, and the earth melted. Elsewhere, this, this word that's translated as, in my, in my translation, as he raised his voice. That word that's translated that way is, is rendered elsewhere, the Lord roared. So the nations roar and kingdoms totter. The Lord roars and the earth melts. You see the contrast in power there. With the God, with that kind of power, why then should we be afraid? The nations do all this stuff and they, and they, they get us all worked up and God is the one who has all the power. We, we need not be afraid. The fourth R that I want you to see is in verses 8 and 9, and that's the word ruin. Ruin, R-U-I-N. Ruin, ruin, ruin. Ruin. <laughs> what is, look at what it says in verses 8 and 9. As part of this call to peace, the psalmist says, look at the desolations the Lord has worked. In other words, consider the works of God. And... And yes, we can look at the heavens and we can see 
the creation, and we can see all these beautiful things that God has made. We look at the rainbows and the sunsets and all these things, and it's incredible, but that's not what he's talking about. He says, specifically, look at the desolations he's brought. He has brought ruin. He has made wars to cease. And there have been times in history, and the psalmist is probably specifically, specifically thinking about times in Israel's history when nations like the Assyrians have come against them, and, and God brought an end to wars. He's brought desolations, and sometimes it may be, he may be, do it through a natural disaster, maybe through military defeat, but he brings, he brings peace, and he, he, he destroys the implements of war. And listen, I hope for peace. I pray for peace on this earth. But you as a person, and we as a, as a world and a nation, will not know peace until people know the Prince of Peace, and that's Jesus Christ. And so I ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you have peace? I'm, uh, if you have peace with fellow man, that's great. But I'm, most importantly, do you have peace with God? Because the Bible says that there is no peace for the wicked. There's enmity between us and God. We are His enemies by default. We are in rebellion against Him. And you're not going to get right with God. You're not going to remove those hostilities by doing things like good works, by going to church, by serving in a in a uh, some sort of a charity by by giving offerings or whatever it is that doesn't get you right with God. Do those things help out people? Yeah, and it, it may make you may give you warm fuzzies to do those things. But the only way to be right with God is to lay down your arms. It's not a it's not a meeting of mutual equals. It is a surrender. You come to God and you surrender. You lay down your arms. You give up. And, and in surrendering, you find forgiveness and freedom in Christ. And I just wonder, if you know peace, if, if you have that peace, or if you're in rebellion against God still, because if you are, are in rebellion against Him, if you are His enemy still, if you don't have peace with Him, you can have that today by repenting of your sin and putting your faith in Christ. And that is the only way to have peace with God. Now the last R that I want you to see is the word rest. We've had refuge, river, roar, ruin, and now rest. We see this in verses 10, and well, mainly verse 10. A very famous verse, be still, cease striving, and know that I am God. And this, this, this phrasing of, of be still has the idea of, of letting your arms hang slack. It means not putting forth effort. It means not contending. It means not striving. When we remember the works of God, when we recall the strength He supplies, when we think about those times when we've run to Him and He's been our refuge, when we depended on Him and He's been our strength, our faith is strengthened. And I want to encourage you today to rest in Christ, to be still and know that He is God you will find him to be a, prayer, a very present help in times of trouble. The, the Bible says, cast your cares upon him. Why? For he cares for you. Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then it ends, if you look at verse 11, it ends right where it began. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob 
is our stronghold. He is our refuge and strength. And may you find him to be yours today. Why don't you say it with me as musicians come. And as you stand, as you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around and in the quiet of this time, I just, I just want to ask you if you have trouble in this life. Say, so, Pastor, you've got no idea. I may not. But I know that man is, is made for trouble like fires, uh, embers fly to the sky. It, it's just it's part of our lives. Somebody's well noted you're either getting ready for a storm, you're in a storm, or you're just coming out of a storm. It may be that, that, that you're heading into one, you don't even know it. Be thankful for the, for the, for the peace that you're experiencing right now. For that person maybe who's in the midst of a storm, you've got, it's tumultuous. You're disquieted. You have a troubled soul, troubled heart. Going through that dark valley, uncertainties. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Rely on him for his strength. And maybe you're coming out of that storm. Don't forget the lessons you learned. Think back over your time, how he's provided for you. He's taken care of you. He's answered those prayers. He's strengthened you. He's comforted you. He's given you a peace that you don't understand and nobody else does either. And again, it could be that you are here, that you're listening to me, and you don't have peace in your heart. You don't have peace with God. You're in rebellion against Him. You're running from Him. You've turned from Him. You will not have peace without Christ. And if you've never accepted Christ, today, turn from your sin. Believe on Jesus and be saved. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you that in the midst of all the turmoil, all the political wranglings and, and things that are going on, the threats that are being made, the, the aggression that's being shown, the things that are happening closer to home as well, job situations, family things, health. And we just have so many things that they cause trouble in our lives. We thank you that no matter what it is we're going through, we can find you a, a very present help in times of trouble, whatever the trouble is. And God, I pray for each person who's hearing me today. I ask that you would help them in whatever it is they're facing. 
where they're getting ready to face. Lord, again, we thank you for your, for your presence with us. If there's somebody that doesn't know you as, as Savior, I pray that they would find you to be a complete and loving Savior in Christ. Lord, again, we thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name.